Welcome to Real Life Fiction. I'm Matt James with Conundrum Publishing, international best-selling author of the Jack Riley Adventure Series. And today I'm talking to author Kevin Tumlinson. Kevin, thank you for coming on Real Life Fiction. I am really excited to have you on. I am excited to be here, man. I appreciate you having me in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so this is this is what's kind of great about this is um, people that I have talked to so far. It's usually the first time I've actually like talked to them face well face to face, screen to screen in this case. Right. Um, and that's the case with us. So I'm like really excited to kind of yeah. dive in and be like, wow. Kevin, finally. Hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> and that's what's yeah. really great about this stuff. That's why I love doing this. Yeah, yeah. That's why I got into podcasting initially uh, was to talk to uh, to talk to people more more interesting than me. Um, <laughs> you know, talking to authors and 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 other entrepreneurs and people that I admired and that I wanted to learn from. That was that was the whole point of podcasting for me. Which yeah, I did. If I did that show for. You know, Wordslinger podcast for like seven years. So, mm -hmm. you know, you pick up a thing or two when you do, <laughs> when you do you something definitely that long. do. Yeah. This is yeah. technically my fourth podcast. Um, yeah. I had a, three others that were like short lived just because of time, to be honest. Um, yeah. But they were mostly like movie related. And I did them in room with my partners. And it, it was originally my brother. And yeah. then uh, my brother in law and I started doing one because he was just like, that was awesome. I loved listening to you guys. And I'm like, you want to do one? So sure. And then yeah. I did one on my own just as a solo. But uh, so getting back into the, you know, swing of things as far as uh, actually talking to somebody and, you know, the whole process yeah. of it, it it's yeah. been really fun to get back. I, I've it. always wanted to, have, to do, I've done a couple of podcast episodes with people in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, usually at like a conference or something like that. Um, but I've always wanted to do like a, uh, one of those cool in room, like we're in a studio and the camera's cutting back and forth to us, you know, like, like a real, a real round table type. Like a, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to do one of those. And, and I haven't, um, I, I probably will do something like that at some point. I'm already kind of looking at like options on the real estate front. And, sure. You know, there are places yeah. like, um, uh, co-working spaces where you can actually, that I want to check those out and see if that's an option. Like yeah, you can like, like basically rental. rent like a room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And just yeah, you know, uh, yeah no, that's a great it's it. a great idea. And then uh, then it's all about who's around you and who can you get there regularly. Uh, right. That's the challenge. And, yeah. and since a lot of my a lot of what I do is in the author space mm -hmm. in, in terms of podcasting, you know, getting an uh, getting authors into that space that that is a challenge there's an there's either going to be the expense of having to put them up in a space and fly them in and you know all the travel and everything which is yeah. you know might be yeah. worthwhile if it's if they're high enough level but like oh, of course all the guys like my level you know like they're not going to come to austin from you know ernie's not driving to austin from tennessee to be on my podcast you know, no no we'll do but... zoom or we'll do Streamyard or something but but we were just talking off camera about how cheap flights are. Yeah, to the flights flights are well, and maybe that will change. But I mean, flights well, yeah. be leveled yeah, currently. out currently fairly cheap rates. Of course, you never know if the flight's going to make or not. True, uh, true. But. That's why, funny enough, we were we were talking about uh, Ninic and it being up in St. Pete, Tampa area. Yeah. Um, 
my wife is actually going to see um, the, the friends we had talked about off camera, but she found that there's a train that oh. takes the same amount of time. It's about a four hour train ride, but it's 35 bucks. Really? From, 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 from West Palm beach, from where we are. West Palm beach to Orlando. No, or, to Tampa. To, uh, Tampa. Oh, it's, okay. It's like a four hour estimated 405 train ride, but the tickets were 35 bucks for coach. I mean, yeah, that's a no brainer. I would and I'm that. like, it's worth it to try it once just to see. Cause I'm like, no gas, no, yeah. no, nothing. You're just, yeah. you just get your bag and you're done. Every author should do a train trip at some point in their life. I, I, you know, when we were in, uh, so we went to, uh, Paris a couple of times, uh, my wife's family was living there for a while. And, uh, you know, we would do the trains and go, we went all over Europe. I mean, we went yeah. Brussels and, and, uh, well, I, I forget all the places we ended up, but we ended sure. up kind of doing like a little train trip tour of a big chunk of Europe. And, uh, you know, that's it's very much set thing. up for that. Yeah, that's the thing is their infrastructure has been set up for that for years. So it's like, yeah, here it, they're trying to get that going. What is it that uh, bright line, I think. Um, yeah. So I know that that's there's people that have taken it that have been like, it's like an hour and a half ride from like, blah, 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 to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. that's cool. I'm like, yeah. it's just it's a new thing for us. So I guess it's just uh, one of those. It, hopefully it'll catch on. I mean, it didn't used to be a new thing. I mean, it used to no. be. You know, yeah, we had the that regular structure. Yeah. That was but the regular they leaned thing. in. They, you know, that's what people, that's what governments and other entities do. They lean in on what they think the next thing should be. And sure. Uh, not, not always, not always considering the long term ramifications of, of yeah. that. Yeah. You know? And then you, you also lose the experience, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, but just uh, think of what that would mean. Like we have a train infrastructure for like cargo and stuff like that, but just think what, what it would mean to have in the United States, a, a high speed rail that can yeah. get you coast to coast or, you know, border yeah. to border, or, you know, and, and in the, in the, in the fashion of like something from Japan or something like that, like something really high tech and comfortable and, you know, inexpensive. Yeah. There was a, there was a delay in the bright line going to Orlando. Funny enough, they were supposed to have one to kind of um, get, you know, destination travel to Disney and yeah. from West Palm, it was like estimated as like an, hour and 20 minute ride if yeah. that and i was yeah. like holy cow yeah. i said if it's even remotely decent it's a hundred percent worth it when you just think of just the cost of travel nowadays so it's right. like yeah you know specifically shorter distance like that i'm not gonna fly to orlando but driving it's still three hours ish from where i am yeah. especially if you're like four or five hours away you know it makes total sense to just use the public system the problem is there is no public system so yeah, yeah. you know i but, would totally uh, do that the whole flying so i you know i grew up in a pretty rural area the idea of flying was something that was magic to our people um <laughs> and, uh, descended from the wright brothers originally right and i, I don't yeah. think in terms of yeah there's a short flight so you know i remember the first time um a good a, a friend of mine she we were so i was coming to austin a whole bunch of us were coming to austin uh, to stay with some friends and, uh, they, she took a flight from Houston to Austin and I drove and it was really ultimately we spent about the same amount of time traveling, but she got there much more rested than I did. Right. Yeah. So, you know, she, she spent some of that time in the airport, some of the time on the plane, but in perfect comfort the whole time. Whereas I was, you know, 
hot footing it across the country. And we got there around the same time. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. yeah. So well, especially for you, because I mean, Texas takes a day. Texas takes a day. Yeah. Uh, Houston to Austin is only about a three or four hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. Five hours ish with stops. Sure. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, if you're just barreling through, you can you can do it pretty. And if you pay no heed to state speed laws, you can uh, you can make some pretty good progress. But uh, getting from you know, I I would drive from uh, Houston to Dallas. Now that's like a ten hour drive. You know, yeah. People yeah. don't understand. Like that's that's mo that's a big chunk of the state, and you're still not out of the state. You're still like another like three or four hours before you get out of the state. Sure. At that point. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's like uh, Florida down here. Cause we're, that's just that long. And it's like, that's why a lot of bands don't come at, down and see us is because yeah. the travel is it's twice the travel. You have to go South and then travel straight back through. You went. So yeah. most of the time they just stop in Orlando and Tampa and say South Florida. Sorry. Yeah. That's you know, what, yeah. It, it sucks. But I mean, if, if when you're I was like doing uh, documentary yeah. TV, we, we shot a bunch of footage in uh, Key West. And so we, we drove. Oh God. <laughs> think from miami and uh yeah that's a drive that's man. a drive man you don't think it is but that is a drive yeah that's what i say if you're gonna go to the keys go to where rick lives rick lives in key largo yeah go to key largo it's the first key and it is the keys it's like it yeah you're there as long as you stay on the western shore in the gulf yeah it's the keys i'm like i have no interest i've been here my whole life i have no interest in going to key west Oh, no, it's, you should go at least. No, I, mean, I don't. Was, I refuse you, to drive that far in Florida and stay in Florida. I went and paid like, homage to uh, Papa Hemingway's place, you know, and saw yeah. the six-toed cats and the typewriter and, you know, yeah, all the touristy stuff. I mean, was, yeah, pa Papa's good. Pilar rum is made down there. I mean, it's yeah. named after, you know, Ernest Hemingway and his, yeah, and yeah. his ship. So the Pilar. So, I mean, I get it. it You're not adventurous, man. You need to... <laughs> You need to step up your adventure. That's why I'm spirit. a writer. I live yeah. through this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all my adventures on the page. Yeah. On the page. I don't want to get. That stuff is good for your soul, though. You know, I mean, yeah. I can't tell you. I love to travel. I just don't love the actual travel of it. I love I going it. places. Yeah, I, get I love it. seeing new things, meeting new people. It's like that. Uh, what's the adage? Uh, pe people will say, um, and I forget who saw, said it first, Dillard, I think, and Dillard. Um, I I hate writing, but I love having written. <laughs> like that's the same thing. It's like yeah. I hate, you know, I don't, I I don't mind the travel part of it, but yeah. you know, I could see the, I I love the destination. I hate getting there. I could see it. Sure. No. It's yeah. A new adage. I I get it. I get it. I I mean I get it. It, it I because I am it. I I yeah. like we have family in northern Wisconsin. Yeah. And it's a direct flight from me to, but you have to fly into St. Paul, Minneapolis yeah, because of where they live. And then you drive like three hours into Wisconsin. Yeah. And it's like, the problem is I'm not driving that distance. That's insane. So we have to fly. Yeah. And I don't like to fly. So I'm kind yeah. of trapped. I love the area. Like once we get up there, I'm like, this is, it's beautiful because there's nothing. Yeah. And I just, I, I enjoy the nothing and yeah. it, but yeah. it's getting there. I'm like, uh, I can't think. <laughs> you have to learn to enjoy the uh, enjoy the uh, travel as much yeah. as the destination. I, you know, we did that whole van life thing, and then before that was the RV thing, and you know, mm -hmm. so that's full time, you know, on oh, the yeah. road. And it, I won't lie, it does get exhausting. Um, sure, we drove last time when we went to Nick in, in last year. Uh, we we were in the van at that time. Kara was working with me at Draft Digital at that point, and uh, 
we stayed at the, we did a couple of conferences on the way there from we went from pennsylvania to uh tennessee to there and in uh, st pete's and then our air conditioner went out the overhead air conditioner went out in the van and then of course it was getting much warmer sure. so we we decided well we'll just we'll do hops um over the next you know few days back to houston where we could actually get it worked on they had someone waiting uh but <laughs> you know that was exhausting like uh, we we're driving like you know you drive I, I, while we were doing that we kind of developed a rule of the four and 400 uh meaning you know we'll drive until either four o'clock or 400 miles whichever comes first gotcha. right and uh and and that that keeps you productive and sane and rested uh but you know you only want to do that like once every few days you know if sure. you're driving 400 miles every day or six we were driving uh we were doing like six to eight hours to get Ugh. back each yeah. day you know and sure. over the course of like three or four days you know doing that every day is exhausting oh of so, course it is yeah i yeah. can't imagine i've never done it and i don't i no, <laughs> it's hard to say what's more exhausting. I don't know if if that was more exhausting or if we had we have at times pushed through and driven like 24, 28 hours in a row. Right. And that's pretty grueling, too. Yeah. But then it's over. If you're driving like, you know, six yeah. hours a day. Yeah. Uh, for four or five days every single day. That's that's that may actually be worse. Yeah, I did that. Um when was it? It would have been two Septembers ago. Two Septembers? Ago? No, yeah. last September. It was last September when we we drove up to uh, Pigeon Forge for a wedding, okay. and we were there for a week. And I can't tell you how much that was the best vacation I've ever had. Yeah. Um, I, I was. There's so much about that trip that I could like gush over it to the yeah. point to where that's where we want to move. Yeah. Um, is that area, not Pigeon Forge in general, but just that Southern Tennessee border. Yeah. Um, and the drive rental van, you know, like I'm not taking my car. So we rented a van and you're talking to a Florida boy who gets yeah. scared when he has to like get near like a landfill because it's so tall. Um, <laughs> okay. and I'm driving a rental van filled with my family on mountain yeah. roads that yeah. are like ridiculous. Um, yeah. And I'm like, we're not going to make it <laughs> like I can't make it up that hill. This is like a 6,000 pound van or whatever this thing is I'm like, we're not going to make it up that hill, guys. I'm like, I am like sweating and I'm like, wow, yeah. and the problem is, is I didn't estimate times real well. So we got into the mountains at yep. midnight. Yep. And I'm like, this was the dumbest thing. I should have left at 10 p.m. in Florida and gotten there in the morning Yeah. type of thing. And I'm like, yeah. wow, that was horrific trying to you learn, yeah that. you learn those things as you go like and you of course you're exhausted it took 12 plus hours you yeah, know and you know exactly. almost 14 i think and yeah. you're just like we got in at like 2 a.m and i'm like like nerves fried so yeah. tight like and now i'm wide awake because i'm like so fried my nerves yeah and i'm like wow that was dumb that <laughs> was like the yeah. dumbest thing i could have done is made that drive yeah. But we didn't want to spend a day and waste time. So we wanted to get straight through. Yeah. And um, the drive home was much better because once I got into Florida and the sun started going down, I'm back home and I'm like, screw it. We're yeah, that's, here. you know, familiar territory. It's fairly so flat. Next time we're flipping, we're leaving at night and arriving in the morning. So I, I think that's wise. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. But um, so here we are. That's 15, been RV talk. 
Yeah, that's or, been a uh, V talk with uh, Kevin and Matt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here is the top forty. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we are fifteen minutes in, and uh, most people don't even know you're an author. Oh yeah, that's that may be true. You kind of do that. So yeah. So for those who don't know you, um, yes. What, if anything, is your uh, like genre of expertise? We'll call it. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about Dan Kotler because yeah. I know that's kind of your baby. Yeah. Um, and uh, just let the listeners and viewers know who yeah. who is Kevin and um, who is Dan. I am uh, I am the novelist. That's how I'm introducing myself these days. The but, yeah. novelist. The. Capital. I have the article. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I yes, I've I've actually I've, I've been writing all my life. I started very young, very very young. I I, I the joke is always uh, that I wrote my first book when I was five years old. That's what I tell people. It was you know on like a big chief notepad, and I yeah. wrote it with one of those fat practice pencils, you know front and back uh, with my own hand illustrated cover and a special uh oh do you see that door open that's my that's my little dog coming in to visit. i was about to say yeah my dog is <laughs> past, past my dog's bed is in the middle of my living room which is about 10 feet of where it should be and he's passed yeah. out on it yeah. so i can yeah i get it <laughs> um the reality of my paid career though is i started writing um for local newspapers and stuff when I was like 12. Oh, wow. Uh, so I was getting paid, you know, not a lot, like 10 bucks per article, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, I was a published paid writer at that point. And um, I've spent, I spent most of my life writing a, as a career in one fashion or another. I'd, I've had other careers. I was an engineer, electronics engineer for a while um, and other, ta other things, uh, some pretty eclectic things. If you look at my, resume uh if i had a full resume out there anywhere it'd be pretty eclectic um but i started i wrote uh i i was writing short stories and selling those from time to time and i wrote a novel that got picked up uh by a traditional publisher um and they paid me a fairly significant advance uh especially considering what you get these days but pretty big chunk of money for young in his 20s kevin and uh but I started kind of doing, they, they gave me the list of requirements that, you know, they gave yeah. me the, the contract and they gave me all these things that I was going to be expected to do to help with marketing the book. And all of it was coming out of my pocket. You know, they did uh, their, their part, but it was all like, that's where the advance gonna, comes into play. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's what the advance is for. If you are new gotcha. to the game and you uh, are wondering about that sort of thing, you know, publishers used to pay in advance to get to basically give the author the time to write the book sure and then it became more of a well here's an advance for you to use in the promotion of the book and then it became well here's an advance of like 10 bucks go get yourself coffee um, yeah yeah and and it, it's it's gotten steadily worse over that time but i ended up paying that advance back i had to scrape together i bought stuff i bought a motorcycle and a <laughs> I had bought a bunch of stuff because I was like, I'm super rich uh, uh, author now. Um, you know, did I mention I'm an author? I'm an author. Have I mentioned I'm an author? No, I think we just and, talked about uh, so far. <laughs> but I, you know, once I, I paid it back, but I didn't get the book back. I didn't get the rights back for like four years. So um, um, gotcha. I thought my career was over at that point. I mean, I legitimately thought, well, that's it. That was my shot. I blew it. I was too cheap, you know. 
I couldn't, I, I couldn't figure out a way to pay for all, all the stuff. It was going to be more than the advance was. Uh, so basic math, you know, ruined my life. Uh, but I, a couple of years after that, I was working. So I, I used to do a lot of film and TV work. Um, I had a video production company. I did some stuff for like PBS and Discovery Channel and History Channel. And okay. um, so I, I did a lot. I was doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And um, my brother-in-law also worked in TV. And a good friend of mine uh, named Bob Beaver, a terrible waste of a porn name. Um, <laughs> he was uh, very, very invested in like anime dubbing and he wanted to make a film and things like this. So we, we were all meeting and talking about a story um, that we were going to develop into a web series before there was anything anyone considered a web series. There wasn't streaming was not necessarily a thing at that. When point. would this have been time frame wise? I'm curious. Because, it's around, yeah. uh, I'd say around 2000, somewhere between 2006, and 2008. Yeah. So yeah. Some streaming services were kind of starting to get there, but Netflix wasn't yet streaming. No. They were still, doing uh, DVDs you may have had mail. it when it was, yeah. When it was in the mail, right? Yeah. Still in the, the mail. The, the, it the existed. It existed. Hulu didn't exist yet. You may have um, had like Redbox, like, um, uh, yeah. But our plan week. was we were going to create something and stream it on. Um, we were looking at either trying to do it on YouTube and sh in shorts, because at that time you were limited to like 10 minutes of video. Yeah. Uh, if you were in there, you know, approved yeah. system or uh, Vimeo was yep. uh, kind of new at that time. So yeah. we were looking at like, we'll develop something for that. And uh, we kind of met, did some story sessions. And, uh, you know, I, I went to write a treatment, but I was having a real hard time getting my head around the whole thing. So I, I expanded the treatment and it ended up being a novel. Okay. And I, my thought was, well, this will be a good way to cross promote it. I'll just, at that point, um, Amazon had, you know, started buying it. They had started their, their Kindle program. Or they were calling it something else at the time, but, and they were, uh, buying, uh, create space and you know i started uh, looking into like how could i uh create space i haven't thought about create space in forever i know i know right, right? Space. wow they, they started it off for me that was what i considered yeah. publishing at that point you know when i considered that uh, self-publishing and sure yeah i did that and uh that was sci-fi and uh you know it took a while to you know get past I, I it took a while but i i the mistake i made that was not a mistake was I put on the cover of that book, book one of three, uh, because oh. then for the, like the next six years, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm writing, I'm trying to force myself to write these books. Um, yeah. but by the time I got to the third one, I, that's when I kind of cracked the code on being productive and prolific. And yeah. Writing. yeah, yeah, that's, uh, my author origin story was the first, the first book I ever wrote turned into a series and, realized when I got into book four of the series, I have no freaking idea where I'm going. Yeah. And it was just one of those young author mistakes to where you're like, yeah, uh, I just honestly have to admit to myself and to my readers that there's a lot of problems that I can't fix with this storyline yeah. that, you know, you're kind of trapped in a hole that you can't get out of when it comes to the story. And, uh, luckily I've gotten into this. I've been writing now for about eight years. So I've yeah. gotten into it like during the self-publishing peak. 
and uh, it was it wasn't as abysmal of a disaster as it could have been. Yeah, because I had full control over it, everything, so there wasn't anybody like breathing down my neck for content. It was just me writing and figuring it yeah. out as I went. Uh, so yeah, I can from but from your perspective, having been signed immediately and then being like. <laughs> that's yeah. like a deer in a headlight situation definitely yeah i um i still think about that uh sometimes i what my what what would my career have looked like had i done that and i don't think it would be anything close to what it is now honestly i think that i would have had one book out there is what i suspect and uh and then tried to dine out on that for the rest of my career i don't think i would have become prolific um, sure yeah. Because, you know, that's the way the, I think that I might have. I mean, I might have written a sequel to it and written another one and over the course of, you know, 15 years or 20 years or whatever. But um, I don't know that it my career would look anything like it does now, you know. Yeah. And the whole, the, the Dan Kotler books, like the archaeological thrillers, that's kind of what a, thrillers are my, more or less my thing now. I'm sure. I'm, I'm branching back out to write more. I'm going to write some sci-fi and couple other things um but you know i have nick Fa nick thacker to thank for you know goading me into writing thrillers because we were doing a podcast you know yeah uh self-publishing answers and uh you know he dared me to write a thriller because that was his genre and and i had some bits and pieces that i you know i refer to as my thirds um like first third of this novel and first third of that novel and they were just dropped gotcha. and so i just took a bunch of pieces and put them together and then wrote a story around it. And, uh, you know, how do I make these things work together? So it was kind of a way to take some things off my plate a little. Like, sure. Yeah. You know, the the yeah. psychological weight of having unwritten, unfinished books there. But yeah, I have uh, one book that is halfway done and it's been halfway done for like five years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was like my um, explanation of the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, and uh, sci-fi thriller, but I, I try to lace in as much history into everything I write. And I got to the finish way too soon, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. uh "Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> now yeah. what?" And yeah. I'm like, "Maybe this isn't as hot of an idea as I thought it was." And uh, <laughs> it's it's been sitting on the back burner for quite a while. You now. just need subplots. You just need to put yeah. some B, C, and D stories in there. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. How you do it. Yeah. I, I'm in the same boat. I have um, a book I wrote early, early days, uh, back like in the late nineties. Um, and, uh, it's just never seen the light of day. Sure. You know, it was like 50,000 words and it was my first attempt at a, at, at long, long format fiction, you know, and I was trying to emulate the people I thought were successful. So it was, I was emulating Stephen King, so it's more, it's sort of a suspense horror thing, which is not really my strong More like speech. slow burn, like yeah, just kind of, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, but that book is sat thing. there waiting for me. And I've only recently, I, in another challenge from Nick Thacker, I'm working on, on another uh, thing uh, where we're trying to do like a book a week. And yeah. Uh, yeah. We're willing to cheat, like, oh, I've got this manuscript I could just clean up. Well, it's taking me longer to clean it up than I had anticipated but eh. uh because it's early days i mean it was early you know i didn't have my craft buckled down you know no. i didn't know what i was doing uh but it's not yeah. actually not terrible it's not as bad as i always dreaded 
<laughs> yeah. And then you did a, um, we'll get back to Dan in a second, but the, yeah. you said that about a book in a week, but you did a challenge, correct? Yeah. Where you were trying to write books in like the shortest amount of time possible, but yes. still make them work. Yeah. And I, yeah, go over that for a second. <laughs> Cause I was like, I was following along with that going, what is this maniac doing? Yeah, I did that. Um, yeah. And I, it started with the whole 30 day author thing, which I, I mm -hmm. wrote a whole book about, but, um, yeah write a book in 30 days. Well, that was, I was more or less riffing off of the NaNoWriMo book. And, you know, they were, they had a, you know, challenge, they have a monthly or a annual challenge in November to write a book, 50,000 words in 30 days. And uh, I thought, well, if you can do that, maybe I can do 10,000 more. I did, you know, 60,000 words and I wrote a book in 30 days. And then I thought, well, can I do that in 15? And I did. And then, then it was, you know, can I do that in, in a week? And I did. Uh, absolutely possible, you know, 10,000 yep. words a day for six days, you got a 60,000 word book, you know, yep. and yep. Uh, that's a lot of writing, you know, uh, but yeah. you can do it. And so, of course, inevitably, what's a fella to do? Um, I asked myself if I could write a Not book, write a book a in a day. <laughs> that's what you do is you don't do it. You just have to, sometimes you have to reset your limits, man. And you know, it's like a four minute mile. <laughs> You know, uh, people didn't think they could run for a four minute mile or their heart would explode, you know, but yeah. once, once someone did it, everyone was doing it. But yeah. I, I decided I would do that, but I wasn't sure on when, but I found myself in, um, in Manhattan for Thanksgiving, um, if, for like a little over a week, almost two weeks. Um, my family, uh, my wife and her family, they all went out one day. They were going to be gone all the entire day. They were coming back the next morning. Uh, they were doing their thing and uh, that left me in the hotel and it was snowing and horrible outside. And I didn't really have anywhere I wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, so I, I could, yeah, I, yeah, I could I, see the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I took the opportunity. I, I, I at that point in my life, I was getting up at 4am no matter where I was. Um, oh. So I got up at four and I went down to the hotel, uh, like a bar cafe area. And I bribed the people there uh, to keep me plied with coffee and food and watch my laptop when I go to pee and things like that. And, yeah. uh, over the course of the next, like, I mean, I want to say it was like maybe, maybe 16 hours, 18 hours, something like that. I mean, over the course of the, the day, I had chunked out a 60,000 word draft and, um, I'm not going to tell you that it was published ready or anything, but it was well, no. a complete yeah. story. And I mean, I that's sixty thousand words in one day, and I was wrecked. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it was. I wouldn't recommend the experience to anybody unless you just want to push yourself, which is what I. That's what I wanted. And then I, sure. I edited that over the course of the next month. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I took my time to edit and clean it up and get it ready. And I've even done a slight rewrite of that book over the years. Um, you know, just to fix things that I. Yeah, you know, I, I learned more about my craft, so I applied what I've learned. But yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. But I, but I did just do an, the sequel to that book in a week, uh, like two weeks ago. So the first one is not published. The first one is published. Oh, it is published. Yeah, okay, it's been it's one of the one of the books that people weirdly love most uh, out of my catalogs. Uh, the title is Evergreen. Um, okay, no, I've I've seen the title on your page. Yeah, so that's that's one that people really loved, uh, and I. When I did the refresh and I relaunched it, um, 
about a year, a couple of years ago, uh, I asked people if they would want to see a sequel and I overwhelmingly everyone said yes. And so I've had that kind of on the back burner. So when Nick issued this challenge of write a, let's write a book a week, um, I thought, well, what better book to start with than the sequel to the one I wrote in one day? And so I wrote the sure. sequel. Now it's waiting to be edited, but it's done. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. My my goal from the get go because when I when I wasn't writing full time, I wrote full time for about a year and a half before this. But it was yeah. it was I was in between jobs and yeah. Um, I wanted to give the writing thing a shot, and I was making enough money. But yeah. then holidays, kid, blah yeah. blah blah. Life likes to yeah yeah yeah. But my goal was always to write a chapter a day. And for me, chapters always average out to high teens, maybe 2,000 words. Yeah. So I'm like, well, 60,000 words, that's one month. That's 30 days. Right. So it's very possible. And I, I did it several times because that was always my goal was a chapter a day. Sometimes I would write two to make up for a, a day I did nothing. Yep. And uh, and did it. You know. Now, unfortunately, well, I guess fortunately and unfortunately, my books are just a lot longer. So yeah. uh, I'm like, currently on 130,000 in my next Jack Riley book, which is like yeah. mind blowingly long for me. And, yeah. uh, uh, it's not possible in 30 days for me, at least not right yeah. now. That, I mean, I'll do that, that's a chunk. <laughs> my average <laughs> book length these days is about 85, 90,000 words. Yeah. Um, I'm comfortable around 75, 85. So if I can yeah. get around there, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I don't, happy. I, I get, it. uh, Ernest Dempsey has advised writing longer. Uh, yeah. he thinks that there's a, that that appeases Amazon's algorithm, which may, may be true. Could uh, be. but since I'm Could wide be. and I don't give a crap about Amazon's algorithm, uh, I, I, you know, I, I like to write books that have a comfortable, you know, story yeah. beat to them. Sure. And, you know, I mean, look, you know, the, what we constitute as a book has really changed. A oh, lot. Yeah. Yeah. You so couldn't I, call yourself a novel if it wasn't a hundred thousand plus. Yeah. People would be like, you're not a novelist. This book is too short, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And now it's like 70, 80,000. Nobody cares. Yeah. If it's 70 and or 80,000 words of a fantastic story, no one's going to care. If you, if you do it right, uh, no one, yeah. no one really cares. In fact, I've had people complain, um, you know, I have short, I have some shorter stuff out there. that's like novella length or whatever. Yeah. And that's typically something I wrote for like an anthology and, and then I repackage it as a book. Um, gotcha. you know, so people will complain that that's too short, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I Nick try and to I adjust are, the yeah. price. Yeah. Yeah. Nick but, and I are doing that. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we, it's it, the yeah. short, there is a place for shorter fiction and the people who complain aren't the audience audience for that. No. Right. Um, no. There are people though who like short stories and like novellas, and you know because they want something they can read over a a, a, a sit-in. And yeah, uh, my favorite are the people that read a short story or novella with the words "short story" or "novella" in the title, and, then and complain. complain that it's short. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I get that too. <sighs> I get that too, and I try to make it yeah. explicit from the start that it's a short tale. Oh yeah, you yeah, know? that's what we're doing with our Zara Kane series that him and I are putting together. Yeah, is um, I was putting together the the initial first draft of it, and my thinking was, well, if this is a new series, a brand new character with two well established authors, yeah, I want to make it the biggest, most nuts opening scene 
Yeah. Like Indiana Jones on steroids, where it's like a quarter of the movie is just this opening number. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And the prologue ended up being six chapters. And Nick's like, <laughs> what the hell did you do? And I'm like, it's really good. <laughs> like, he goes, yeah, but your prologue is a, is a, is a novella or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I told you I was That's going That's when you have to learn to big. murder your darlings. Yeah, I told you I was going big. And he's just like, but the, the, the file's 140,000 words. I mean, in that, in that case, I would probably... <laughs> pull most of that and make it a prequel novella so what we decided is i'm like well what if we just pull the prologue and and write it as a introduction to the character and release it three or four weeks before the initial novel and he's like perfect we're doing that yeah yeah. Yeah. i'm like i I just um (laughs) I just wrote and that's where the scene went. I mean, that's yeah. the problem is I'm like, I'm not going to stop. One of the, <laughs> one of the books, one of the uh, book a week books that we just uh, did is I, I did a co-authoring thing with Nick. Basically it's kind of funny because the way it started was, you know, I was, I had pitched a series to a publisher and they had, uh, they had come back to me and with notes and whatever. And so I, they wanted a pitch for three books in that. I gave them three pitches and then they came back and picked one and they said, give us three out, outlines or treatments for the first three books in this series. And so I did. And then they folded over the pandemic, you know, something oh. yeah, they're gone uh, gotcha. or they're no longer doing that, that deal. So sure. that fell apart. But, you know, Nick was like, we need to co-author something again. And uh, I said, well, I have this series and I have these pitches and here's the character. And, you know, if you want to do an outline based on, on this, I'll, I'll do the book. I'll just write it. And then you can come back and edit and add yep. what you want or whatever. And so that's what we did. Um, so that, that book will come out soon. That's a military uh, thriller. Oh, cool. So that, that, I think that one's going to be well received. I think people are going to dig that. Yeah. That's, that's our belief with Zara is it's um, very much heavily based on, it's an archaeological thriller series, so it's, yeah. it's the same type of stuff that you and I dig, yeah. but it's definitely on the rougher side. Like it's yeah. like if you're familiar with the newer Tomb Raider games, yeah. where where Lara is like it's bloody, it's brutal, it's like the Zara books aren't that over the top, but it definitely was inspired by that because I'm like I don't want this just to be a rompy adventure. I want this to be more of the like thriller, like suspense, like. Yeah. Holy cow, mind bomb this, you know, like not that my adventure stories aren't, but I wanted this to be like more like gut punch, punch in the face, like holy yeah. cow. And um he thinks I accomplished that. Uh I I I did the initial first draft and handed it off to him, and he's been going through and revising and rewriting and editing, and you know, so those will be coming out um yeah. soon-ish. So, and, and just trying to get them perfectly ready. Yeah. Um, but uh, so back to, uh, you know, Dan, we're 40 minutes in and yeah. I have no idea who Dan Kotler is. Dan Kotler is a, <laughs> he's an archaeologist uh, specializing in, in anthropology specifically. Okay. Uh, he's a multi-hyphenate, um, you know, polymath basically, who uh, has multiple PhDs in, in uh, archaeology and quantum physics of all things. Nerd uh, alert. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was me sticking close to shore 
by the way, because I was leaving sci-fi waters and didn't want to, I, I wanted to be able to call on my uh, experience and expertise before I committed to something. So sure. I probably wouldn't have done it. Uh, I wouldn't do that now, uh, but it has fed plot here and there, but he's also, he's a consultant with um, an agency that has spun off of the FBI at this point called historic crimes. Um yeah, you have some shorts involving the historic yeah. crimes. And that's yeah, why yeah. I did that. I did I wanted mm -hmm. to I created something that my characters could all be a part of so that I could do crossovers. Because I am in the process of doing the exact same thing with uh, Jack Riley and Zara Kane. So yeah, exactly. So that's and that's how I did it. So I have a label yep. now that that you know those my two main characters so far can participate in. And the new uh, Evergreen book I actually have not a crossover, but it ties in with one of the crossovers okay, and uh, very heavily. And so I'm so waiting it's a kind of a crossover kind of, <laughs> kind of. because the thing about the, <laughs> the Dan Kotler books and I have another protagonist, Alex Kane, and she's uh, that's more mm -hmm. of a technological thriller, fugitive thriller sure. story. Um, and they interact in the historic crimes. Like they're both part of that now. Um, okay. So uh, there is a, um, there's an event that happens in one of the crossovers. The thing about those those characters, though, is they're very grounded. Like, I don't yeah. have, you know, supernatural powers and things like that happening in those books, per se. Um, yeah, it, and if it yeah. does, it's more of a, you know, did what did I just see kind of thing. But Evergreen is very staunchly sort of a supernatural thriller, almost... I've framed him as kind of a superhero in this in this next not you know more of a street level superhero character like a kind of a you know not gotcha he's not athletic but he's got an ability <laughs> he has a supernatural ability gotcha uh, so you know I've I've set that up I set that up in the first book that that that's the whole shtick but um, I had an event take place in one of the crossovers that I knew at the time I was going to come back to with Evergreen I knew. Um, and so I actually had a brief mention of the of the capabilities of this character in that book as sort of okay. a you know secret government lab experiment thing, right? Uh, so yeah, so there there's all that. The, Dan Kotler and uh, Alex Kane, you know, they're they are these. I'd say they're somewhat larger than life, but I I always I'm a very character driven writer. And, sure. uh, same, you yep. know, yep. you can call these thrillers, but really they're the same stories I've always told, you know, yeah. there is an element of sci-fi in thriller writing and there's mm -hmm. an element of fantasy in thriller writing. Well, of course. Uh, and so, you know, I'm still getting to kind of stretch my legs a little on, on those topics, but I've got some, uh, some ideas in the books that I think are going to shift that, um, we'll start writing a little more sci-fi again. Nice. Uh, yeah, I've, I've discovered since I've purposely uh, attempted to keep stories and characters grounded now, like yeah. more, more than ever, uh, I have to be like uber creative to make it work. Yeah. Because you can't fall back on, well, this will just happen and it's because of this supernatural item or, or yeah. uh, ability or, or you know, like... Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's like a cheap way out or a lazy way out because yeah, because like it, 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 <laughs> yeah, it it works when it's appropriate. But it's yeah. like at the same time, I find myself enjoying the writing more when I just can't say, "Oh, it's because of the 
spirit of this happened and blah, blah. It's, it's like, I always try to have a scientific explanation for what has happened. Yeah. Um, in order to keep it, you know, realistic. And that's um, the expectation that readers have with thrillers. Yeah. They want an explanation as to why that technology works the way it does. You know, yeah. in, in science, in, in hardcore, pure science fiction, you can just have the device that teleports someone from, you know, the mm -hmm. earth to the moon. But in, in uh, a thriller, you have to explain that there's some science behind that. You know, what is the science? Like, sure. You know, it's quantum entanglement in this, you know, uh, replication theory. And, you know, you have to explain that. And so yeah. that's, that's one of the key differences between uh, thrillers and science fiction is science fiction. The reader goes in with that, that suspension of disbelief extends to, just tell me that there is a thingamabob and I will believe that the thingamabob can do what you say it does. Yeah, because they're expecting the thingamabob and yeah. they're okay with it. And yeah, I, right. I totally get you it. Go like, yeah, you, know, you go in knowing that. Yeah, you go in knowing it. You go in Just like it. if you were, you know, like Ghostbusters as a movie, like my favorite movie of all time, right? Mm -hmm. There's some science involved in the proton packs and they, sure. they do explain it because they they like, they're appealing to that nerd audience. Yep. But you know, there's no explanation as to why ghosts are real. No. You know, or no. why you know, but I liked I always liked the interaction of science and the supernatural in that, you know. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's something I've kind of, you know, I try to strike that balance in my fiction yeah. as well. And if there's a science, yeah. if there's some sort of supernatural element, the science is what we use to deal with it or understand it or you know, explain it or whatever. Yeah. And going off on that tangent, uh, afterlife was probably one of the best movies I've seen. And I thought that was an incredible movie. I, 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 I openly admit I cried three times. Oh, okay. I weeped at the beginning. I won't, I won't hold that against you. I weeped at the beginning with Egon cause I needed to know what happened to Harold Ramey's cause yeah. in real life he was dead. Yeah. And I needed to know what happened to Egon's character. And when I saw it I, 10 minutes in, I had tears running. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. And then the end with when his ghost. Yeah. yeah. And there was a really dumb scene, but a scene nonetheless, where I think they're driving through their little small town and all you hear is ding, 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 ding. And yeah, you hear like the piano from yes. the original Ghostbusters when they're hunting the ghost in the basement. Yep. Like that score that is so like They chilling. did such an excellent job. Yeah. They they brought in all the right notes, like literally yeah. figure. Yeah. When I heard that Jason Reitman was was taking over for his dad, I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be amazing. Cause I'm like, because yeah. that kid grew up on the set. Yeah. That's what he said. He goes, I grew up on the set. Well, in, and if you think in the movie it, set. And I know that it's taken some criticism here and there, but I mean, if you really think about it, that movie was every kid's fantasy. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s watching the original Ghostbusters, mm -hmm. your fantasy was, well, what if I live out in the middle of nowhere, you know, but what if I found a proton pack or Ecto-1 yeah. in my barn, you know? Yeah. I mean, that was every kid, um, <laughs> you know, no matter where you grew up, you if you were into that, you had a fantasy about what, what you would do if you had... Yeah. A proton pack. Yeah, and no. when you have uh, what's uh, Phoebe? I think is the girl, the yeah. the daughter. Uh, yeah. When she first discovers the basement, and then all the, like the lights and the mirrors are are moving around, and you're like, your brain is going, oh my gosh, Egon's helping her. Like yeah. you're like, and and you're sitting here going, this is so mind blowingly amazing yeah. because of just what it means. Yeah, especially yeah. when you're a diehard fan of this stuff growing up, and you're yeah. just like, like I said, that entire movie, I was like 
floored by how amazing it was. And, yeah. you know, they had the abysmal restart with the all female cast, which was yeah. just a movie that didn't need to be made. It, it, and then, it, no, no, if no they but, had just stuck with it being a sequel rather than a reboot. They could yeah. have made that movie something good, but no, they had yeah. to, that, that I, you know, that was the thing. And I, I, I took some, some backlash. I, I think people are, must've showed up at my house. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, I took some backlash on comments about that film uh, when it came out, because I just thought it was, it was atrocious. And, was and, uh, and awful. I got called a misogynist and, you know, oh I'm like, well, no, I'm not. I, I was really looking forward to seeing like what, what the movie would be like with, with women playing, not, playing the characters of Egon and the others, but playing like new characters are coming into this universe. I thought that was going to be great, but when yeah, they the decided the fact oh, that they throw all that out. Well, and <laughs> what I didn't honestly, what I wasn't, I mean, even the, the actresses are great. The yeah. problem is they each represent the original ghostbusters when yeah. it comes to personality, when like, it comes to like their or iconography. Role. Yeah. Like they're rolling the team. Like they all have the exact same personality. And I'm like, I'm sitting here going, okay, so now it's not even an original. Like, it's like right. how much of this movie is actually just a copy and paste with a new cast. And I'm like, right. that, that kills it even more. It's yeah. like, that was but, my thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm like, you know, you could have done something really, truly original and good. All you had to do was, was build on what was already there instead of, well, like Same. Afterlife, it's his descendants. Afterlife did that, yeah. It's, it's like, that's all they had to do is, oh, these are the daughters of the original Ghostbusters and they discover blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Done. It's like, okay, maybe this is going to be good, but no, yeah. and, you know. Well, I but, didn't write Ghostbusters. No, I didn't either. Uh, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not I did like, I'm with you uh, yeah. in after, with Afterlife. I think it was amazing. Um, so like with Ghostbusters, um, I, I always love to hear like the influences behind your work. Like growing yeah. up, like mine are very much the action adventure, you know, heroes. It's yeah, Indiana yeah. Jones, it's Warcraft, it's Nathan Drake, it's, you know, uh, Brendan Fraser, it's, you know, Rick O'Connell. It's, yep, you know, yep. I have like this of Goonies, I have this affinity for yeah. the rompy tales of adventure. And I do too. Yeah. Um, not that I'm also wearing a Zorg shirt. So, you know, yeah, uh, Fifth Element, one of my. I got to give a shout out to my, my, my guys, my folks, Weird nice. Russo's, Joe and Kate Russo on YouTube. Check them out. Oh, Tell nice. them I sent you. Yeah. Uh, they're fellow van lifers. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. There we go. Um, yeah, my influences. I mean, you know, other. I, I read a ton of stuff uh, growing up. Anything I could get my hands on. Uh, Orson Scott Card was my has always been my favorite author. Um, whatever anyone thinks of him, I've always loved all. <laughs> Ender's Game was the book that made me realize that sure. you you could you can do this as your career. Um, and uh, and so that's what inspired me. Uh, one of the books that inspired me. But um, you know, films like Ghostbusters and and Indiana Jones, of course. You know, I mean, no, yeah. you know, there would be no Dan Kotler if if Indiana Jones hadn't existed. You know? I wouldn't be writing. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the stuff. You know, I I pretended uh, that stuff my whole yeah. childhood and um, and and told those stories to myself over and over again. A lot of my books are based on. I've realized. Uh, whether I did it and I didn't always do it intentionally, but like, you know, I had some fantasy I played out as a kid. And so that has been expanded now into this series of books. I, I read um, all the encyclopedia Brown books when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, 
Dan Kotler uh, is essentially where in the world is up. Carmen San Diego? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where where in the world is Carmen San Diego is yeah. a good one for me. That was yeah. that was fun. I would say Dan Collars is is more or less a grown up Encyclopedia Brown. That's what okay. that's you know when Encyclopedia Brown grew up, he gotcha. decided to become an archaeologist and now does some work with the FBI. Kind of like um, the uh, the chunky kid from Jurassic Park became Owen okay. Grady. Yes, exactly. That's the uh, theory, or, anyways. That's the yeah, fan theory, anyways, which the I find theory. I find hilarious. I, I hope that's the whole like Goonies Jurassic Park connection. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, thought, I I I thought that was hilarious uh, first time I saw it, but yeah. No, so those are the, you know I I read a ton of stuff. I watched a ton of stuff. I was an '80s kid, so you know those yep. those action adventure movies were my bread and butter. Um, I gravitate toward very intelligent, uh, approachable characters, you know, who have a wry sense of humor, um, you know, um, and sometimes they yeah. I, I I gravitate more towards the zany characters like a sure you know a peter venkman uh david addison from moonlighting you know yeah. uh but for the most part my characters are kind of aloof in, in, to a degree but they're you know they're they're they know people that's the that's the common thread with my characters is they tend to know how people think and yeah. they tend to think their way out of their problems um yeah. and they tend to be very clever and resourceful so yeah yeah uh yeah. that's like uh for instance, that's how I take hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat and fighting scenes. Yeah. Is like Jack, in this case, and even Zara, are very, very capable fighters. They are better than your average human being. They are not a black belt in whatever martial arts, right. yada, yada. They are, not allowed, they are not afraid to fight dirty. There is no yeah. such thing as a fair fight you know, when it comes to, you know, street fights and stuff. So yeah, I portray that as if I'm in a street fight with somebody, I'm going for the worst possible places on your body first. Like yeah. I have no, there is no pride in a fight. That's, so. that's why a lot of my characters end up knowing Krav Maga. <laughs> <laughs> if they know any martial arts at all, they know Krav Maga. And uh, yeah, and then but it, it, that also brings in the realism of it. Cause if you're in a street fight with somebody, you're not going to pull out these weird, oh, yeah. like jujitsu moves and like karate moves you're just gonna it's a brawl right you know it's right. a brawl and you're gonna have to hit some you know you're gonna have to weaken your opponent somehow when you're in close quarters and in this case like jack specifically he's just like yeah. hey i wonder if this is gonna hurt and just like you know just goes at guys and i'm like that's you know the eye poke the this yeah. the groin kick the knee the, like doesn't care yanks on his hair no, yeah. no big deal you know, and I, I love writing those scenes because I'm just like, <laughs> I'm going to make it as like grade school brawl as humanly possible. Yeah. You need to make your reader wince. Oh, uh, they, they need yeah. to they need to cringe uh, at the thought of what just happened on the page. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, uh, well, you know, my books are typically not very um, I don't I don't go into graphic detail about violence or anything like that um, because I, I, I the way I see it. So. The way I approached my thrillers to begin with was kind of like episodic TV, uh, like the old, like the show, like shows like Castle, you know, remember sure. that show yeah. um, where I have my, I have a prologue in my Kotler books. I always put a prologue in and it's always a cold open, just like you'd see in like a television show. So sure. it's a character that's not directly related to the protagonist, but the, but is related to the whatever the story is going to be the a story yeah and i tend to write a b and c stories throughout like i i tend to write in a very comic book style um so that once i've graduated through the book the b story 
uh, is kind of the side story. The C story is just a setup for the next book. And then I write gotcha. the C story as the A story. And, you know, so I have a whole process there. I've learned to the point of it being instinctual uh, mm -hmm. at this point. But yeah, that's the that's the, the format of those books. And then I did something different with the Quake Runner, Alex Kane books, uh, because I, you know, I didn't want to fall back on tropes, you know, the same trope. Yeah. Um, there are tropes. There, I'm definitely thriller tropes in there, uh, but I didn't want to repeat the same process. And so sure. <coughs> when I have an Alex Kane story, it's typically picking up with in, in the middle of the action with her, you know, like, okay. Uh, in the middle of some action, like she's got a case she's solving, you know, mm -hmm. <coughs> pardon me. Uh, we just, discuss, we discussed how I'm not supposed to cough. You're on not supposed camera. to cough. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then with uh, Evergreen, uh, kind of always, you know, well, always, I've had two books in that series, but, and I'm not even sure I'm going to go more, but, uh, you know, those books opened with kind of an explanation of the guy, where the guy you know, like his philosophy and his abilities and things like that, in a in a not so ham fisted way. Like <laughs> the second book, I did open up with. Well, okay, first the rules. That's like the first line of the book. Okay, and, and so you get the setup right away of here's how my abilities work because it's a first person sure. uh, story. Okay, uh, just yeah, getting it out of the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, perhaps I have a series. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you know you do that, and sometimes you don't. I used to you, consider first person narrative to be cheating, by the way. First person narrative is my favorite uh, way to write. Yeah. Absolutely. My favorite way to write my Dead Moon series, which uh, actually, I don't know if I've actually told anyone this, but will be republished with Conundrum and okay. uh, new covers, uh, new book names, editing. And then I have announced that I'm writing the fifth book in the series next year. Yeah. But um, that is all first-person perspective. You are the brain of Frank Moon, and I get to be as weird and quirky as humanly possible because that's yeah. how the human mind works. Yeah. And uh, I have a blast writing that style. I can write those books quick. Yeah. Um, it is. It is cheating. I understand what you're saying because I don't think it is cheating. I just always felt well, like it was. Yeah. Know? No. But I. I can. Yeah. I can understand the. 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 Uh, the thought of that because you don't have to go into like super deep detail in anything. Yeah. Because you only know as much as the character does, and right. his education and his. Uh, his. Um, uh, uh, experiences. Yeah. But I also love that because it just makes it super realistic. Yeah. So it's like, that's probably why, like I've mentioned before, my writing style is a combination of both major styles when it comes to first and third person yeah. in that when I'm in the third person, I usually take on the per the persona of the character I am in. Right. So like Jack doesn't know everything, so I'm not going to tell the reader everything. Yeah. So I'll hint at certain things because that's just what we do. But yeah. I don't like using the uh, Morgan Freeman effect, the God look where you're just, you see everything and you say everything. And it's like, to me, that's uh, a little on the, the, the cheater side. Yeah. So it's like, I try to blend both styles and um, was actually complimented on that by Ernie. Cause he said, well, you've never been told no. Yeah. Cause I don't have any education in writing. I just started well, that's, writing. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I think most, most of the best writers, um, that's their experience. No one yeah. told, it's like um, when you, when you start playing pool, you know, people can be really good at pool when they first start like it's that beginner's luck thing. Cause no one's telling them, you know, you can't do that. Don't do it yeah. that way. Yeah. Uh, golf is the same way. 
Mm -hmm. It's only when you start learning the rules that you start making all the really big flub ups and mistakes. <laughs> yeah. You start second guessing yourself. Cause second wow, I've been, yourself. I, I've been doing it wrong for this long, but then you don't realize, wow, but I was doing that's, it better. You know, that's like Andy Weir. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I interviewed him on my show just before the film for the Martian came out and I had, I had listened to the audiobook, which was amazing. Um, uh, RC Bray at the time, right? RC Bray did that. Yeah, the, and, God, the, the man. So he, you know, uh, Andy's uh, whole thing was, you know, coming off the success of that, he'd gotten a publishing deal for another book, and he was like, he was very proud that he was getting this all this direction from the editors in the in the publisher, and uh, you know, and I had asked him point blank, "Are you afraid that you might miss out? Like, you published the first book, you wrote it as an indie author, mm -hmm. not you know, are you straying from that?" He's like, "Oh no, it's going to be much better. I'm really glad for it." that second book tanked i mean it was just yeah. awful and then he wrote hail mary which was, was that, much uh, more artemis artemis yeah yeah artemis was terrible it was terrible two two uh, i'm not going to go into a deep analysis of it but when he wrote no. hail mary that was much more like yeah. um the martian and yeah. i don't know that it's done as well but i enjoyed it a hell of a lot more so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, The Martian was phenomenal. There's there's no way to, you know, pick it apart. Or That's lightning in a bottle right there. Yeah. It is. And the movie was done very well, you know, so yeah. I can, there's, it had a lot going for it, you know, I, I, I will say that. Um, yeah. I was very impressed with the movie. You know, Matt Damon did a great job. Yeah. Uh, the, the humor behind it, it came out, it, it, it was done well. It was done very well. Um, so the other thing I'd love to talk about is the, the process, the writing process. So okay. um, you I'll have, try to keep my answers short because I know we're already over. Yeah. Anymore. Well, you have your Uber outliners who write the yeah. book before they write the book. Yeah. And then you have the pantsers right by the seat of your pants, yep. sit down and just go. Yeah. Um, I am in the middle leaning more towards the pantser. Um, I will outline two, three, four chapters ahead, knowing the direction I want to go. But I also find it very helpful to just let it grow and yep. just go organically um, where like a buddy of ours, uh, David Wood, uh, yeah. he's more of the traditional outliner, which I'm totally fine with. I mean, he's a great guy. He's a yeah. great writer and you can do it both ways. But I'm I'm definitely more leaning towards let let me just get on the laptop and just go yep. have an idea of where I'm going and then just change it on the fly when I find a better option. Um, yeah. If I find a better option, um, where are you? I'm uh, absolute pantser. Yeah, I, I don't outline. Um, most of my books start with the almost every book I've written started with the title and nothing else. Yeah. Um, and uh, now, what's that? Mine starts with the picture. Yeah. Well, Let's I'm actually I'm leaning towards doing that now. I've um, I've been playing around with some stuff, and I've got a lot of original artwork I'm going to be yes, riffing I... off of. I've yeah. been I've been told by a mutual friend of ours and yeah, how he, yeah. how he has gone down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And it, it's unhealthy, actually. I I've I have led him uh and another astray. Um it's not something I definitely I, I don't particularly want to come out with it yet because I wanna I want to produce some stuff and then see what people say before right. I announce like what's happening here. So this all yeah. sounds very mysterious to people Ooh. listening, but uh, you know, I've got a wealth of artwork, we'll say. And, um, sure. So I'm going to start writing some stuff based on that, but I'll probably still have a title. Uh, cause yep. that's just how I do it. Um, 
but yeah, I pants it. Now, when I was co-authoring with, uh, with Nick, um, I've outlined at least two books in my life and they were both terrible uh, when they were done. <laughs> uh, Nick and I, uh, he has to work from an outline. So he gives me an outline and I start with it and then halfway through abandon it and write the rest of the story. Um, yeah. That's just, and, and he's fine with that. He says, uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I just can't, I, to me, if I do an outline, I feel like the energy of the story gets used up in the outline. Like I feel like it's it's finished. I know how it ends. Hundred percent. So, but I'm a discovery 100%. writer. I wanna I want 100%. to have the same experience my reader is having. Basically. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I absolutely couldn't agree more. I want to be as shocked as the reader is, and it yeah. will one hundred percent come out in the book. Yeah. It will. It absolutely because I can tell when I read some of my author's favorite books, I can tell what has been outlined to the umpteenth degree based yep. on pacing, based on me being able to pick out what's going to happen without there it being all that hard. Right. Um, I, I get it. I completely I get it, and I completely agree with it. Um, believe me. Um, yeah. Uh, and one last thing, what do you, uh, we know you did the van life thing for a while. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily call that a hobby. That was just more of a adventure lifestyle choice. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you do besides this? Like what piques your interest outside of the book world? I mean, I'm, I am a big fan of TV and movies, I, uh, I, but I, I don't watch as much of that now. Um, I'll, sometimes I'll have something playing or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, you know, YouTube is a big thing. I, 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 watch, I, 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 tr I track all kinds of topics on YouTube. So, mm -hmm. and maybe that's really everything kind of feeds back into the writer thing, but sure. you know, I like to hike and I like to, you know, road trip and uh, travel and explore. Those, those are things that um, are still a big part of my life. And that's how I re-energize myself. Um, I'm, I do graphic design and art, art and things like that. Uh, usually as part of the the book production yep. uh, but yeah, i'll be the first uh, person to tell you i don't do much outside of this so yeah i mean yeah that's the, the sad truth about it is the writing um but my, 10 years ago 15 years hobby. ago <laughs> yeah 10 yeah. or 15 years ago the options weren't there so it's like yeah i taught myself how to do book covers from youtube tutorials yeah. and so for me that's exciting that's new that's fun that's like you know right. uh, another friend of ours kent holloway He's the same way. Like Kent makes book covers just to pass the time. Yeah. And with the hopes of writing a story based on the cover he just made. Yeah. And I couldn't tell you how many covers I've made that I have no plan on writing a book. Yeah. Like it, it's just, I'll see an image. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that'd be a neat story. Oh, this. And then I'm done with the cover. That's, going, that's how it starts. Write. Yeah. Like I can't write this. I have this, a ton of covers. Science uh, fiction horror. And I'm like too ingrained into the action adventure world to. Yeah maybe grow the cojones to venture out again. Cause I'm, right. I'm, and plus I'm just enamored with it. So yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to veer. Uh, I I'd like to, but uh, so like the dead moon series that we're republishing, that is my outlet. That is my science fiction horror action um, and uh, a ton of fun to write. So that's like my one outlet that I use that isn't in this particular genre. Right. Now I'm doing the podcasting we're, we're publishing and, yeah. you know, Everything's book related, but it's all different facets of that industry. That's kind of my, that's kind of my thing too. So it doesn't feel like it's the same thing over and over again because there's so many right. different things that are involved nowadays. Right. Yeah. And that's the original definition of career was essentially that 
that, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, career wasn't just the job you had. It was the life you had centered around that job. That's why you had like career farmers and ranchers and sure. you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, that's what I am. I'm the novelist. That's how I build myself. You know, I'm, I'm going to write books and, uh, everything else feeds into that. So you know, same hobbies. I don't really do. I should probably get some more hobbies uh, <laughs> to be a little more well-rounded, but hobbies tend to turn into jobs for me. They tend to turn into yeah. businesses. Yeah. And, uh, and, and when your job, when your business, when your self-employed business at this point revolves around that job, that career, um, there's an unhealthy way to look at it, but it's a realistic way to look at it is anything else you do is a waste of time. That's what it feels like. Because you got to break out of that, though. No, you do. You do. Yeah. And see, this is also coming from somebody that was working full time and trying to fit in writing as yeah. the, the hobby, as the outlet. Yeah. So for me, it was like anything I did outside of writing truly was a waste of time besides like family and stuff. But um, because I had such a limited amount of time per day that I could put into this yeah. that if I didn't write, I felt like that day ish was like a failure. Yeah. You know, and I, I know that's not the, like I said, the healthiest way to look at it, but it's, it's also what kept me like driven and going yeah. because was, I, I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't write all the time and it just, it, it pissed me off. It angered right. me because I was like, I'd look at my computer and go, Oh, I need to write this story. I freaking love the story I'm writing right yeah. now. And yeah. I am so tired that yeah. Uh, what am I going to do? I'm going to go sit at my screen and do nothing. So I'm like, well, why write? You know, and <laughs> right. and that's right. just honestly where you get into your headspace because it's a yeah. creative process. And if you if you're too tired, the creativeness of it is just like, yep, you know, it's it's a waste. But well, we've uh, rambled on and yeah. I, I 100% expected. Did yeah. not expect anything different, honestly. That's, that's uh, the Kevin Tomlinson experience. That's the Kevin Tomlinson experience. Uh, uh, that was the uh, Nick warning. Kevin's a talker. And I'm like, I know. He told me. <laughs> Kevin actually yeah. told me. I'm, I'm a the talker, first so. to confess that. Yeah, Yeah. Oh, so am I. I. I could talk about this stuff all day. Hence yeah. why I have a podcast now. Yeah. Uh, I obviously like to talk, talk about this stuff. So um, before we get off, tell the viewers, tell the listeners uh, where we can find you and um, website, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, com. That is the cleanest easiest thing you're gonna i think i have some other urls that might be easier to remember but kevintumblinson.com if you can track that down everything i do is pretty easy to remember yeah i think historiccrimes.com is another one i own yeah okay yeah and obviously all your stuff is available uh, wherever books are sold yes Um, so easy to find you know i always point people to amazon because that's just the easiest uh that's the easiest but yeah i'm everywhere yeah you're everywhere Um, help help me expand that go buy yeah go buy the book somewhere other than amazon uh any other experiences <laughs> like this people can find you at uh in terms of like podcasts yeah things? yeah uh, just anything, yeah. any medium or anything that people can find uh, you. well i do the if you're an author i do the uh draft digital we have our self-publishing insiders podcast which um you can find on youtube and on any anywhere fine podcasts are sold um uh, and at draftdigital.com so yeah, and if people didn't realize, uh, Kevin is also the yeah. director of marketing. We we didn't get into that. <laughs> we didn't get into that. Yeah, yeah. to the publishing side. Oh, that of your life. the last of last bit. If you're an author, yeah, that's what, yeah. you can find all that on my website too. So there's a okay. lot there. Yeah. So kevintumlinson.com is the way to go. Yeah. Uh, I am at mattjamesauthor.com because Matt James was taken. Uh, 
Sure. No other Kevin Tomlinson has any shot at a web presence uh, with me alive. So, so if you guys have stuck around, uh, please, please, uh, as the kids now say, smash that subscribe button. Yeah, because that's what all the YouTubers say. Uh, but yeah. please subscribe, like, uh, find us on your favorite podcast app. Do the same thing. Uh, grow the show as big and as fast as humanly possible because this is always a blast. Kevin, I can't wait to have you back on because I know we're going to have plenty to talk about as as the uh, weeks and months progress. Yeah, man. Um, we'll have to pace you. ourselves. Yeah, right. Maybe we need to have like a warning at the f- front of the show saying yeah. part one of two and then yeah. just have like. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, thanks again, my friend. I really enjoyed myself. Thank of you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you.